Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to episode five of the Alex Water Show. It's a solo episode today, but uh, it's just me. If you're watching on YouTube, it's me sitting on my couch, and I've got a little bit of a husky voice today. I've sort of about like day four or five of a cold. This is like the the very tail end of it, so I'm feeling pretty good. I do have a water bottle filled with Barocca right in front of me just to give myself a bit of a perk because it's Sunday afternoon right now. I'm recording this. I'm about to go out for drinks in a couple of hours time. So, you know, essential, right? Like this is how we operate. Just um, give ourselves what we need so that we can experience what we want to experience. And for me right now, I want to go out. So that's what I'm going to do. Get myself feeling good. So if you're not following me on Instagram, you probably should be at Alexander Waters. I just put out 24 hours ago a story asking people if they had any questions for me. And I got a couple through. So I'm going to riff on that today. I'm going to talk about a bit more of my journey and some of the things that have made me who I am today. The experiences that, you know, I've had, the the really challenging experiences that I've overcome. Because the last few episodes, we've talked a lot about adversity. And that was kind of one of my key topics coming into this podcast was I want to find out what people's turning points have been, what causes them to, you know, the experiences they've had in life where they could have gone downhill or uphill and they've all come through it and and been better for it on the other side i believe that's the only way through challenging times otherwise you let them swallow you so p.s if you are watching on youtube and if you're not probably just go check it out i have blue hair so (laughs) i keep forgetting but i have blue hair so i just did it just the other day and this is at towel of hair in perth cbd Dan Yap, he's one of my mates and just a really, really good dude and one of the best in the world at hair coloring, believe it or not. Some of the stuff he does is absolutely incredible. So yeah, before I get into the questions though, I just want to say, I just had Atlas, my son, for the weekend and man, my clothes are just never clean around that kid. Like I just put on this jumper, I just got washed and I just dropped him off to his mum and you know, he grabbed me with his peanut butter hands all over me. So this has gone back in the wash very shortly. But parents, I'm sure you can relate to that. And it's probably just the thing where like, I just need to totally surrender to it now. And if you don't have kids and you can't relate to that, you will remember this moment where I told you your clothes are just going to be dirty as fuck all the time. You're going to be saying, Alex fucking warned me about this. So let's get started. The first question... I really like this. And of course, uh, when you ask questions on Instagram, you get stupid answers. And a couple of my friends gave me really stupid answers, but I'm not going to talk about them right now. So this one really intrigued me. I really liked it. It was from Taylor, who's a good friend of mine. And she asked, what will humans do with their time when, or what will humans fill their time with when they no longer have to work for money? And there's a couple of aspects to this question but thank you taylor i really appreciate you submitting this for me to dive into i mean i i i've kind of taken it in the sense of i'll answer it in two ways the first way is what happens when someone reaches a point where they don't have to work for money in the current structure and system and then the other part is let's go dive down the rabbit hole of what it would look like with a system where all our needs were met which isn't capitalism (laughs) so by the way I'm not for or against necessarily. Uh, I don't have a formed opinion on capitalism versus socialism, but I think it's something we can talk about. 
So the first thing is what happens when we're no longer working for money. You know, I think anyone that's still in a situation where they're, this is going to make me sound really disconnected potentially, but because most people are in this situation, as am I to, to degrees, right? But if you're working in a job you dislike or you're doing something you dislike, I highly encourage you change that immediately. That's my first thing. So if your primary driver is money and what you're doing is contributing to your unhappiness, I think that that's an important conversation you get to have with yourself. And, you know, I've been there. I've, I've been there completely. For me, it wasn't actually, it was a bit about what I was doing. It was more about who I was, the context that I held within myself for how I did everything else and who I was when I was doing the things that I was doing for money in my real estate days as an example. So that's the, the first thing to that question. I think the second part is, you know, what will you fill your time with when you no longer have to work for money? Well, probably just things that you enjoy doing, right? <laughs> And really, you know, almost like 90% of the time you can make money doing, I'm going to say 95% of the time, you can make money doing things that you enjoy. So if that's not you, give yourself permission to explore a little more. And if you're in a position right now where you have financial commitments that are holding you constrained to a job, well, I would just really invite you to, to check in and see if those financial commitments are actually all they're made out to be. People who you know, have a mortgage and so they're just slaving their whole lives away paying off this mortgage and they feel like they're stuck in a job because of all their commitments, the financial commitments, those sorts of things. I almost guarantee you that, you know, that there's ways around that. And for me, I mean, I, I had a house when I was, I built my first house when I was 18. And by the time I was 21, I sold it. So I got the keys at 19, sold it two years later because I was like, fuck this. I've got a mortgage over my head. Interest rates are going up at that time. It just got too much to manage and values weren't going up. And I realized that actually over the course of a 30-year loan, if you amortize the interest over that period, you end up paying about 90, 80 or 90% of the value of your home on top of the principal in the mortgage. So it almost makes zero sense to own a home that you live in for financial reasons. It makes sense for plenty of other reasons like fulfillment, to have a family home, to have somewhere for your kids and those kinds of things, of course, of course. I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I think the key thing is how I want to express is like just do what makes you feel happy and find a way to make money doing that. Or my strategy right now for this, right, is that I know that what I'm most passionate about right now and the things that I'm enjoying doing things like this podcast and I'm just launching into executive leadership coaching. That's not the thing that I'm focusing on making the most money with. But on the other side of my, my time is things that I consider to have asymmetrical risk, which means minimal or capped downside and the upside has potential to multiply you know, 10 times, 100 times over. Things like uh, owning equity in businesses where I'm contributing time, but I'm not directly working in the business, meaning I don't pull a salary. I'm responsible for, for profit and for outcomes at the end of the year, but I, and I get a shareholding of profit. Or things like property investment deals or, you know, working on a land subdivision at the moment, property development, house and land packages, selling those. So, 
those are things that don't actually take up a significant amount of my time yet the reward is substantial and if you're probably wondering how do you get yourself into a position like that those are just my examples but there are deals all around if you are smart enough not even smart enough if you commit enough time to learn how to day trade in the stock market right now or just like even buy and hold shares there are some really incredible deals right now flight center as an example is a stock that i've, I've been looking at sitting at around 11 dollars a share again pre-covid it was 45 dollars probably overvalued then 11 dollars incredibly undervalued for sure reflective right now the whole travel market in the world is just shut down but over the next two to three years and that's prolonged i, I would say the next 12 to 18 months really it's likely that that share price is going to double. So, you know, there's a share price tip for you. But those kinds of things are asymmetrical risk. And you start with small amount of money and, and you just work your way up bit by bit by bit. I think people are really caught on, you know, having everything they, they want right now or just not even like letting yourself get step one, step two, step three done because you don't think you're at step 10. I don't even know if that makes sense, but... Let's talk about the more holistic conversation here, which is like what will humans do when they don't have to work for money as a human species, as a race? I don't believe that money will ever go. So I, I think it'll stay. Capitalism will probably stay at least in the, the next century. But I do believe that there needs to be a system that's better set up where there is incentive for innovation and creation, which is how companies like SpaceX and Tesla developed and Amazon uh, and Apple, because there is incredible upside and rewards for those who innovate. But then the system that also supports the general population, and we still have massive issues with homelessness. We still have people ultimately slaving away, right? Like the cost of living in Australia is pretty high. And really, we should all be able to live pretty comfortably based on the fact that of what we have in our country, as far as resources, as far as land, as far as you know, sunlight, all those kinds of things. So that's my perspective. That's my take on that. Yeah. So Taylor, thank you so much for that question. I, I really appreciate it. So the next thing I got asked was from Tusha and she lives across the road from me. Actually, we met each other years ago through real estate at a domain VIP event. We're at the domain Subiaco stadium watching the Eagles play, I think. And so she's asked me, when starting a business, what works, what doesn't work, what have I learned from that? So I think, you know, I actually put out a, a question on my Insta or an offer a few weeks ago saying I wanted to sit down on the podcast with someone who has a business idea and workshop it with them from start to finish because I feel like it's actually not as hard as what people make it out to be in their mind, like most things in life, to be honest with you. And don't get me wrong, starting a business and creating a successful business requires an incredible amount of time and, and like just energy and hard work. It's not an easy thing to do necessarily, but it's not overly complex. You know, I've made a lot of money without in different things, without a website, without having everything lined up. And if you go and look at the biggest businesses in the world and the best businesses in the world, you see that things aren't perfect. And that's a business is just a reflection of, human life ultimately in, in some kind of structure, right? 
So starting a business, I really am passionate about this topic. I love talking about it. I think the first thing to do is to have a clear plan. And most people think, I love this thing. Therefore, other people are going to love this thing. So I'll make money selling this. And that's not always the case. You can potentially make revenue, generate revenue, but after your cost of goods or cost of services is taken out and you've got your gross profit margin, you've then got to pay yourself and a bunch of other expenses as well. So, and tax, of course. So I'd say the first thing to make sure going in is to make sure that you have something, a clear plan of some sort. And that just needs to be a general understanding of how you're going to make money. Make profit is the first thing. You know, I think most people would actually be surprised. Like I reckon 90% of small businesses aren't profitable. They're just running like close to break even all the time, if not making a loss. And that's why so many businesses don't work out because it's hard to do. You know, it's not incredibly hard. It's just you need to have a good plan and, and follow a plan. And most people don't understand that. So the first thing I did when I started Real Mark Karatha, which is my first real estate office, is I, um, I had to borrow money from the bank. So I had to have a plan of some sort. They asked me for a business plan. And I just had 12 months of a budget. And that looked like sales coming in and costs going out. And I estimated, you know, the cost of rent and expenses for the office and utilities and staff costs and all those kinds of things. And then to make revenue targets, I, I always underestimate revenue in a budget, always, because it's better to outperform it and know that you're going to make profit at a lower point than at a higher point. So th that's literally how to get started around that. I mean, let's let's talk specifically about what works and what doesn't work from my, my perspective here is that I've gone into business far too many times just for the money and it doesn't work because over time it's hard work and it's so hard to keep going through challenges when you aren't like loving the thing that you do. That That's the reality of it. That's why I just sold out of my commercial real estate business. You know, I had a partnership dispute in that business, but I ultimately just it wasn't the thing that I wanted to do any longer. I wasn't enjoying it. And you know what's crazy is the moment that we struck that deal for me to exit, I just had this like wave of relief and release just come over me. And it was like, I'm free. And and that's partially why I've got this podcast now and why I'm talking so openly and freely. Like, it's just like I, for me to continue being in that business, it felt like I had to be someone I wasn't or commit my time to something. I wasn't committed in and don't get me wrong that business is very profitable but there's always more opportunity we're always missing like we're always focused on the thing that's right in front of us and we forget to see everything else that's out there anyone listening right now could literally do anything they desire within limits like i'm not going to be an afl player or whatever else but you get my point with that so I think that's the first thing is make sure you love what you're doing and be okay with changing quickly. The amount of times that I've failed and I, I put up my fingers in quotation marks, failed, other people would consider these failures looking in, I think. But for me, it was just like try 
test, didn't work, didn't like it, change my mind, move on. And I'll, I'll list these off. You know, I, I obviously have opened my own real estate business, which I still own half of, Realmark Caratha. Workspace Co. is my outsourcing company, which I still own 100% of. I've just sold out of my commercial real estate company. People, most people don't know, I started a finance broking business, a franchise to tack on to my real estate business in Caratha back in 2017 and had a business partner who was the broker for that. I put in like 20, 30 grand cash and it failed. She wasn't the right person. I had feelings of that early on, didn't trust my gut. I really wanted it to work, didn't work. So I lost, lost 20 grand on that business and had to walk away from it and haven't ramped it up since, although it's something we're looking to do now. The next one, I actually tried selling Isogenics at one point, which is an MLM, uh, like network marketing business. Uh, and this is whilst I was in real estate, I was like, you know, what? I, I want more time freedom. And so I, I started trying to figure out other ways to do it. And I did two months of Isogenics up level twice in their system and brought other people in my team. And then I realized this isn't for me. I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm moving on. Another failure I've had is in Real Mark Caratha, I was trying to exit the sorry not exit i was trying to give myself more time in the business in 2017 2018 more so and i decided uh, an acquisition opportunity came up where we could acquire a rent roll from another a business that had just gone into liquidation and i decided that was a good opportunity to do because it was going to uh, boost our numbers um, our immediate revenue figures uh, we could pay back the debt pretty easily and we were going to be able to do it with the same amount of staff that we had then and there. That's what I told myself anyway. So went forward, negotiated the acquisition, all good. And I was in Hawaii at the time on a holiday. So I came back, went through, it was about, a, a, for this business, it was like 160 grand purchase. So not a huge amount of money for that kind of deal. And we went ahead and did it. Our property manager who we had in the business at the time resigned cracks started to show as in it looked like she wasn't doing her job correctly for some time once she'd left so that started to get even worse the portfolio we took on was just an absolute mess so we had these new staff coming it was just a, it was just a debacle like an absolute mess and i i take full ownership for how that, <laughs> that how how that almost imploded because i was trying to like live a life of freedom and travel the world and thought i could just buy this piece of business bring it across it'd be smooth sailing but the reality is i didn't hadn't empowered my team enough i didn't have the right people in place i wasn't still taking ownership of things and therefore no one else was so you know and to cut to the chase on what i learned in that lesson well we lost a shitload of business basically you know our, our current client base the business imploded for a little while and pretty much the 160 grand was a waste of money because like let's say we brought on 60 clients 60 other clients left so you know that's a that's another lesson learned right i think the big point there is and i posted this on my ig this week is that if you're not prepared to take extreme ownership for anything for an area in your life it's not going to succeed and that includes business you know for me like being someone who isn't really operational in any of my businesses anymore that doesn't mean I don't have extreme ownership of them. I haven't in the past and things haven't worked out. You have to be the one to have extreme ownership over every area in your life and, and over your business. 
If you've got business partners, great. But you need to have extreme ownership over the business, as do they. And you have extreme ownership over them. It doesn't mean that you do everything. doesn't mean you're checking everything all the time. It just means the buck stops with you and you know that. And you're prepared to do what it takes in that position of ownership. It's an energetic thing and an actions-based thing. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm getting quite passionate here. I like it. What else, you know, doesn't work or works or what, I, what I've learned in business is get to profitability as quickly as possible. People are so consumed with, you know, these things being thrown around now and I've done it in the past. I put my hand up. Seven-figure business, six-figure business, like because there's all these online coaches and consultants and people having online businesses and now it's like a mark if you're a six-figure business. I can tell you, half those businesses aren't making any money. They're not profitable. Maybe if you're an online business and you're one person, for sure. But, you know, profit is what counts. I, I have, in businesses, made more money when we were making 600 grand a year made more profit than when we were doing a million 1.1 a year. Because to get to 1.1, we're exerting so much extra energy in the form of capital outlay, hours, time, like all those kinds of things. So profitability is key and you need to have a plan on how you're going to get profitable in your business and what that's going to look like. And if you don't have a plan to get profitable, then you need to have an understanding of what is your game plan in your business? Like, what's the point? Are you building something to sell? Are you raising capital? But good business practices would say over and over again that profit first, right? Profit is king. Cash is king. So, you know, there's definitely a strategic conversation here and I'm kind of getting into more detail, which I hope you guys don't don't mind. But there's definitely a strategic conversation that gets to be had here about, okay, well, the business has been profitable now for some time. We're going to invest to grow. We're going to understand that we're spending more money right now to, to make more money to get to a point where the business volume is much higher or revenue is much higher, which at that point, we will hit a higher level of profit again. But the journey to get there won't necessarily be that. So I reckon those are like some of my key business lessons, honestly, because yeah, and I'm happy to field any other questions on business. I, I absolutely love it. It's a thing. I've learned so much about it. You know, and I think I think I'm so lucky because uh, at one point I had four businesses and I was juggling everything. And I reckon I've let shit go far worse than anyone else would. Like I stood back, hands off, and almost watched all like three of my businesses implode because I was on a personal journey at the time, spiritual journey, whatever, and taking psychedelics, like just going inwards, learning about myself, finding happiness, all those kinds of things. You can YouTube shitload about me. Uh, I looked pretty crazy at the time. I had a big beard and all that sort of stuff. But but by doing that and by, by letting these businesses get to a point where I was like, holy shit, if I don't step in now, they're gone, like going into liquidation and shit's going to go real bad. Like it's going to be on my, my name for years to come. You know, I might get fines from the Department of Consumer Protection who manage real estate agencies, those kinds of things, real serious consequences. But I let it get to that point before I step back in and not, not intentionally, just like it wasn't, I had management in place and stuff like that, but it wasn't until that point that I realized I had to step back in. Uh, but by having that experience, it's been so, so great as to 
you know, what not to do. And most businesses will never, most business owners will never let go of control enough to grow and really scale. And they'll also never let go of control enough to actually see that, that level of failure in their face. And I, I have some experiences that will help me forever into the future in my own business journey. So I'm super, super grateful for that. Let's talk a little bit about spirituality. And I'm probably not going to talk about this in the typical sense because I think a lot of people get polarized by that word, spirituality, and what it means for them. It's the same as if we start talking about God, right? You know, it's a polarizing topic. So I'm going to talk about it in the sense of what it means to me, which really is connection to myself. The fact that my internal dialogue, um, how I feel inside, I have a positive relationship with that other part of me, the part that isn't my body, isn't my brain and can kind of see what's going on on a, on a sort of a higher perspective. Yeah, so spirituality really means that for me. And like, I suppose some of the key parts of my journey that spirituality has been important, most important to me is when I didn't like who I was as a person. You know, back in 2016, I had just started my first two businesses. I was, you know, first year in, killing it, media, all sorts of shit, success on the outside, dying on the inside. Just really was not happy with who I was. Had done some really horrible things to my previous girlfriend, cheated on her, that kind of thing. Had to face that and... I didn't know who I was. I wasn't happy with who I was. Uh, you know, I, I realize in hindsight now, I was constantly trying to fit in to society, to, to groups, whatever, when on the inside, I never fit in. And even when I think about who I was back then and how I w- dressed and how I expressed myself, I still didn't even fucking fit in back then. But in my mind, I was just trying to constrain myself and fit into something. Ultimately, the thing driving me beyond anything was that I didn't love myself and I didn't feel loved by anyone else. And so I was seeking so much validation from other people, from women, from society, through friends and family, through my success. I was trying to prove to myself that I was worthy of love. That's what my journey was. And so, you know, the reason, and I was so far off the extreme, like I'm talking about, you know, some of the things I've achieved in my life and and the experiences I've had as a consequence of the people around me and the money I've had access to and things like that. Some people, most people will never see that kind of experience. And so when you go to such extremes, you need, like, you almost need to go to the other opposite extreme in order to find the balance again. And that's what I had to do. That's why in, in 2017, you know, when I did my first neurolinguistic programming course, I decided to give up alcohol after that. I was an alcoholic before that. And I, I say that lightly, but Australia has a lot of alcoholics that probably aren't identified, just just like maybe many other countries. But yeah, I was drinking every night, several several beers, sometimes a six pack. I'd be out for dinner, have a bottle of wine with someone, a couple of cocktails, like every night. And then on the weekends, binge drinking, hungover, throwing up, that whole vibe. 
most weekends. So 2017 comes around and I decide to cut out drinking. And for good. In my mind, it was for good. I went sober, stone cold sober, didn't touch a drop of alcohol. And if you want to know how I did that, I, I created some really powerful associations with alcohol for the like for a negative association I, I just imagine every sip of something i would take i imagine that like red wine was in my brain stewing it and i i just associated the taste of alcohol with vomit that's it it's all i could think about when i when i thought of it and so i didn't drink for 18 months from may 2017 through to august 20 that's probably 18 less than 18 months but august september 2018 um, and I'm so, so proud of that. It's like one of the best things I ever did, but super extreme, right? And then I went full vegan after that. And then, you know, kind of this series of extremism events, grew my beard out, like grew my hair out, decided to say fuck it to the world and, you know, went overseas and, and kind of uh, tried to live my life that way. Um, but that that was my journey for a purpose, for spiritual for a spiritual sense to get to know who I was. I had to get to know who I was without the attachment of uh, my job, without the attachment of success and society's version of success for me and to figure all that out. So, yeah. (laughs) So here we are today. Yeah. I think by far, you know, that that was one of the the biggest periods of adversity in my life is, is going through all of that stuff and having to face off with myself and realize that I wasn't happy with who I was and, you know, uh, admitting that to myself, it's a, it's a powerful thing to do and a scary thing to do. And if you, you've done this before, then I, I congratulate you. I commend you for it. Sir. And if you haven't had to, then <laughs> lucky you, you know, I want to go back to the first topic of, of what we do without money. Cause I feel like there's a deeper conversation to be had here, but, uh, I, I just want to share with you to end this podcast because I've kind of ranted a little bit and, and, and gone on and I hope you've gotten value from it. If you haven't, all good. Tune into the next one where I'll have a, a really cool guest to talk with. But I just want to finish off with this. Like we only live once and you deserve to be happy. You deserve to enjoy this experience of life. Everyone does. Don't let your environment and the things that you were born into stop you and hold you back. We're all going to die one day. We're all going to die one day. Everyone's going to be dead. Let the little shit go. Like, tell your family and friends you love them. Put down your phone. Spend more time with them. Spend quality time with them. Be around people who lift you up, excite you, and who make you smile. And be the person that you truly want to be. And a great way of, I've always had of looking at that is like, I try and be the friend that I want in my life. The person who I most want, you know, how I want my friends to be. I don't have deep expectations, but what I mean is the traits that I, I truly desire other people around me to have, like caring, loving, warm, energy, excite, you know, fun. I, I, I try my hardest to embody those. And as a, a lover and as a, a family member, as a business leader, I try and embody those kinds of things. If you're listening to this now, like this is your opportunity right now to make a decision to set yourself free. 
And from whatever that is for you, your job, your mind, your relationship, yourself, your own negative self-talk. You know, I just truly, truly believe that we talk so much shit in our head (laughs) and we make up so much bullshit that's not true about ourselves, about other people, about the world, how we perceive it. And all I just keep coming back to is that we only have this one experience once. And uh, let's just experience as much as we can, hey? (sighs) Well, I liked that. I had a lot of fun doing that. I didn't know where that was going to go. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. It's a privilege to have a podcast. It's a privilege to have a platform where people listen to you. Yeah, I heard Gary V talk about this and he's like, if one person's fucking listening to you, that's like one person taking their time to listen to you. That's exactly how I feel, like legitimately. And uh, yeah, just fucking legitimately. <laughs> Love you guys. Love this experience. Thank you for tuning in to episode five of the Alex Waters Show. P.S. If you have questions for me that you want to, you want me to address on other episodes or things you want me to talk about and bring in, please DM me on Instagram. I would love that. I love the kind of interaction with listeners and and love to know that people are interacting and and we kind of get to have this as a conversation. So, and if you're on YouTube, I hope you love my blue hair. If not, um, screw you because I know it's cool. (laughs) Episode five of the Alex Waters Show wrapping up. Be sure to tune in to next week, episode six of the Alex Waters Show. You can get me on Instagram as always at Alexander Waters and I will see you next week.